Welcome to the Queen Trail Podcast. Meditation doesn't have to be sitting still and having an empty mind. The journey is such a beautiful thing because we are all on a journey. You want to make sure you have some kind of distribution plan, at least have an idea of it, because you can make this really amazing film and it only gets seen by your family and friends. Old Hollywood is still intact. Every horse runs hard, but when they win, and they know it. They've got this little sass about them. It was pretty rough. I had to go into the water and with my med pack, swim to the beach, treat these guys, put them on my back, swim out to the helo. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen those before. And I said, what are those? And before I could even finish the sentence, she said, oh my God, you didn't touch them, did you? Even if monarchs go away and we never see one again, because there never will be monarchs again if they die out, it is just a little indicator of larger threats my dad said, so what were you guys doing in the desert? And I said, we were taking nude photos. Hey everybody, welcome back. I hope you had a great week since the last time that we got together. I have such a fun episode for you today with my friend Michelle Diggs Thompson, who is a soprano. We've been friends since we took a college course at El Camino College and ended up on a study abroad program to Austria, Germany, Italy, and the Czech Republic, where I had the pleasure of listening to her sing several times. She has got a gorgeous voice when she sings, but you're going to notice it right off the bat that she has really worked on her voice. She has the clearest, most beautiful voice. I'm completely jealous of it. Just to give you a little bit of background... She has a bachelor's degree in music performance from UC Santa Barbara, a master of music degree in vocal performance from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And she's also an affiliate instructor of voice at the Metropolitan State University of Denver. She is one of the most talented, hysterical people that I know. And in this episode, we're going to cover all kinds of things, music, beautiful opera music. She's got such an amazing voice and balancing parenthood and passion and careers. And, you know, speaking of voices, the struggles of accepting the changes of aging, specifically in terms of losing notes that were formerly attainable and the physical effort aspects of singing. And speaking of voices, the struggles of accepting the changes of aging gracefully. We all struggle with that, but it's very unique to singers who notice the changes in their voice. We're also going to laugh a lot. Michelle has some really great stories. So please grab a cuppa and join Michelle Diggs Thompson and me in this In the Company of Friends talk Enjoy. Now that school is out for us, um, we're just kind of, you know, hanging out, doing laundry, <laughs> you know, All the fun, fun stuff. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I get this. Where are my shorts? Where Where's that one tank top? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of nice. It's almost like getting a whole new wardrobe when you finally get the time to do the laundry and it's been a while. Yeah. It's just like, wow, okay, I don't have enough hangers for all this stuff. (laughs) Right. Our oldest, actually, she does her own laundry. She puts it in the wash and dryer, which she should because she's 12. And our younger, Anna, she's getting it, but it's like you have to tell her. But other than that, we're just, you know, it's warm and we're just hanging out. So... (laughs) 
you have warm weather. I am jealous. Yeah. It's like in the 80s, but then in the afternoons, we get thunderstorm and rain and lightning. So it's a little bit like a monsoon. It's like a monsoon. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it clears up after a while. Give it a few minutes and it's done. You know? Yeah. So, but it's fine. (laughs) How are you doing? Oh, good. You know, this time of year, everything ramps up. You've got the weddings, the graduations. And so it's been pretty busy with the family. Sophia is going to graduate. Then she's going to have one AA and two ASs. Oh, yay. That's so cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I know. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow, that's really cool the last time well I don't know if I saw you after I had the baby you were at our um, baby shower for Lucy yes yeah that's the last that's time I right. saw you okay so Cameron was both of them yeah I would have had both of them mm-hmm. by then mm-hmm. my husband was like how do you know her I was like oh man we went to Europe together and then we just stayed friends <laughs> <laughs> right Europe was such, I was just thinking about that on the way home. What a great adventure that was. We were like so young and we show up there. There were 79 of us. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, it was a huge number of students that went and it was all music and history majors. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. All of the places that we went to. So I saw so many of your recitals along with everybody else's, you got to play in palaces. I believe it was a palace like in Prague. Yeah, it was, it was Prague and Vienna or Liechtenstein. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. I know I sang twice. Um, I remember one of them was Vienna or Salzburg. You, it was an amazing trip. And what, do you keep in touch with anybody else from that trip? No, it's just you. And I kept in touch with a lot of people from that trip for a really long time afterwards. Uh-huh. And then, you know, everybody just kind of starts drifting a little bit further and further. And the next thing you know, you're not yeah. getting in touch with anybody at all. I did the same. I can't, I can't remember what his name was. He was a tall guy. Jacob, I think was his name. But he was also at UC Santa Barbara with me. And I went to a party with him once. And then that's it. And I like you, I, I stayed in contact with a few people and then life went on. And I think, yeah, you're the only one that I kind of stayed in contact with. <laughs> so thank God for Facebook. <laughs> I know that's really been the glue that keeps me together with mm-hmm. a lot of people throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I noticed is that we're just randomly friends with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Like Megan and Susie. Well, Susie and I went to school together and I remember asking, how do you know her? Like a long time ago. And I think you guys are cousins. Yeah. Well, sort of. So here goes the long, and you know this from the Filipino background, because you've got a really big family and everybody's connected somehow, you know, so here goes the the Hispanic (laughs) background. So my cousin married a guy named Raul. Raul is Susie's brother. So I call her my cousin, but we're you're close related that way. Yeah. And it's funny because my cousin, her daughter is graduating from high school. So uh, they had a little party this last and I got to see Susie. I don't get to see her often enough. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And then I just looked on Facebook again. And how do you know Sean? 
Oh, Sean. So my kids, you know, he's the owner of Martin Performance Horses. And my kids rode at the barn. And that's how we got to know him. We saw him every weekend for probably 10, 12 years. Wow. He lived across the street from us for a while. So we, we kind of grew up together. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Sean and his parents and his sister. Um, And then they moved. I saw him on Facebook. I was like, oh, my God, that's Sean. And so I told Sandra. And we were just <laughs> laughing. I was like, how are your mom and dad? And yeah, we all grew up together. Oh, my it gosh. It's a small world. Such a small world. But LA was really small. Yeah. I mean, consider. <laughs> like, you always run into people you know or... <laughs> Everybody knows oh, I know. everybody. Every time I go home, I'm like, okay, I'm going to run to Albertsons. Wait, do I at least have a chapstick on? <laughs> I'm going to see so somebody. <laughs> it's so true. I do not leave the house without makeup because it's like, I know I'm going to run into oh, somebody and I don't want to look like know. hell. <laughs> yeah, like hell. I, that's like the cat just dragged me That's in. how I feel when we go to, we go to in and out there. I'm walking through the parking lot. I know I know somebody in the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. It's so <laughs> true. But um, we're excited to come home next week. Oh, that's my right. sister's oldest is graduating from high school. I can't believe I that. know. And I, I, you know, I told my husband, I was like. Not Vincent, Vincent. right? It's Vince. Yeah, he's graduating. Oh, my god. So he, you know, he was the firstborn, first grandchild on the dig side, my first nephew so I was there when he was born I mean I wasn't in the room but I don't want to be um <laughs> and I remember going into the room when he was born I was like there's a lot of blood in here okay I'll see you later I'm never doing this oh my god Sandra <laughs> are you okay okay bye we'll come by tomorrow <laughs> but um so he's our firstborn, and so you know before I was married and had kids I would fly out there to help babysit Vince so I was always a around and so I'm like to Bradley I'm like oh I just I need to go and watch him graduate (laughs) you have to you have to answer definitely second moms oh yeah yeah so we are driving we're heading out on Monday and then come back and do the same thing we've been doing Actually, we're busy. We've got stuff to do music wise. I am singing at the end of July with Boulder Opera in their Wagner recital, um, which I never, ever, ever thought I would sing his repertoire. Because as I went through school and studied voice and opera, I was always singing the Italian operas or the lighter, you know, the lighter stuff, the lighter Mozart and Puccini's. But the older I'm getting, it's interesting the change in my voice. And my voice teacher, you know, she said, well, maybe you should look at some heavier Puccini, heavier Verdi, lighter Wagner. And so my my friend who actually runs Boulder Opera, she's like, would you want to do it? I'm like, oh, let me look at the score and see if I can. <laughs> but it's with piano. And so that's something that I'm doing. And then my husband is doing something. So I'm at the end of July and he's in the middle of July doing a show with Opera Through the Rockies in Colorado Springs. And then he's doing a role with Loveland Opera in October. So he's got a few roles that he needs to learn. And I just have a few scenes to learn. So it keeps us busy. And then the girls are busy with stuff too. So, but it's always good to keep singing. You're a soprano. I just want to ask with your voice changing, what is it that you're noticing? Because I know this is something that a lot of singers talk about is like, you know, I either can't hit those notes or now I can hit notes that I wasn't able to back then. Right, right. For me, it's not singing the high notes that I once had when I was 27, 28, or even 30. 
I feel like I still have the high notes, but at one time I had, you know, queen of the night high notes, like E, F, all that high stuff. And now where I am in my age and going through second puberty, probably (laughs) my (laughs) voice has shifted and I, (laughs) and even my voice teacher said, well, you know, with your having children and just your hormones and your age, everything is starting to shift downward. So for me, I've lost a few high notes and it's also harder for me to, I have to really deep breathe when I sing. I really have to focus on just breathing. And so it's, it's been a struggle. It was a little, it was a bit hard, especially during the pandemic when we weren't doing a lot of singing and when everything kind of lifted, you know, music kind of came back and, and we did some singing in church or I got offered a role and I did opera scenes and I, I had a really, really hard time singing high notes. And I thought it was just being out of shape because I wasn't singing. And then when I finally had a lesson, she was like, oh, Michelle, I'm sorry, kiddo, but it's it's your hormones. It's having kids. It's your age. And so I've had to really work at that. And I have also had to accept that, you know, accept that now at my age, my voice is changing for the better. You know, for a while I was kind of bummed, but I have to kind of tweak everything and relearn how to sing high notes. And it's better because I had to sing all semester long because you have to demonstrate for your students. And I did a lot of singing. So I stayed active. And so it's getting better, but it has shifted. And it made me cry for a while. (laughs) I can imagine if, you know, you have a favorite opera that you sing. And I mean, Queen of the Night. Wow. Did you do the coloratura? Yeah, I did it when I was in grad school, my master's program at CU Boulder. I was cast as queen and I did it once. And it was really scary, to be honest with you, because it was the year my mom died. And I was not going to back down because I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I did it. Um, but it was hard. And I had those high notes, but that was all pre-kids. I was late 20s. And so I still had all that flexibility and all those high notes. Now there's just, I can't, I, I cannot do it. Vocally, physically, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> but that's okay. Right. And I even notice, and I'm not a singer at all. I've never have been a singer. I mean, it was funny because I remember this one time I was in church And my friend Enid came up to me and she's like, you know, we're going to start a song. And I go, oh, okay. Because I thought really she was going to start it. And she pulls out this music and I go, oh, Enid, I can't sing. And she goes, oh, no, come on, Syl. Everybody can sing. And I'm like, no, seriously, I cannot (laughs) sing. (laughs) And she's like, no, we're going to do this. You're great. And so I'm like, all right. And I started singing and the look she gave me like, (laughs) like, are you kidding me? You must be joking. And I'm like, no, this is my voice. It's horrible. Oh my God. That's so funny. (laughs) It was, it was really funny. I'm like, I told you I can't sing, but I do notice that even with just my talking, like I'm really nasally now that I've gotten older, I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of that. Like, you know, there's a lot of different things, like you said, that goes on. Mm-hmm. You, well, you see it on your skin, right? Know. And it's like, uh, I wish all of this was a little bit higher, but oh, I know we don't really think about what's going on inside. 
And I think our voices are the best indicators of, yeah, there's stuff shifting in there yeah, too. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with my husband because he's got a doctor of musical arts and vocal pedagogy and vocal performance. So I pick his brain sometimes and I ask him, you know, because they don't have kids. So I said, does a male voice, does it get lower? Does it change like us females who are getting older and the aging process? And he said for him, it feels like his voice has gotten a little deeper. You know, it's not as easy to sing the higher notes anymore. And he's 51. So I think it just happens with age. But then I think there are also some opera singers out there. Like I have a coworker, she's a lighter soprano. She's, you know, older than me, but I don't think, I think she still has high notes. So it could just be the way we're built, the way we're born with our voice. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's an interesting process. I just have to learn to accept it. Like it's really hard for me to accept that my voice is constantly changing. And I just, I have those moments where I'm like, why can't I sing that high note? Why can't I sing that B flat? And it's, you know, maybe I'm not breathing deep enough. And then I, I start to panic. One day I was working on this opera. I was Leonora in Verdi's Il Trovatore last year, and I could not get the high note. And I would try to sing it and I would bang on the keys. And then my husband comes in the living room. He goes, are you okay? I'm like, I don't understand why I can't sing this freaking B flat. And he just stared at me. I go, how do I call myself a soprano if I don't have a B flat, Bradley? And he's like, do you want help? Yes, I need it. And I started crying. And he was like, first of all, you have to calm down. I am calm. How am I supposed to say I'm like, <laughs> so I had to calm down. And he was like, okay, so we worked at it. And then I went to my teacher and she was like, stop being neurotic, Michelle. And I was like, but I am neurotic about my voice. <laughs> she was like, she, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but at the time I was panicking because I couldn't sing them. I was like, what is wrong with my voice? What the hell is going on? And, and I, I figured it out, but it was it was very nerve wracking for me. And in my cast, there were all really younger singers. So oh. I was like, oh, God. Y'all have nice, easy high notes. And here I am squeezing my butt cheeks just to try to get the high note out. But oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. I, I pulled it off. Oh my gosh. I thought, you know, okay, I did it. That's awesome. But wowzers. So yeah, it sucks. But, you know, we just have to, as my voice teacher says, Michelle, we got to recalibrate those high notes. I said, okay. All right. So can you do exercises to bring that back? Or is it just like an uphill battle every no, single it's, time? No, it's, I do exercises. I start with a lot of lip trills. And even when I'm in the car driving to work and I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't have enough time to warm up. I'll just warm up quietly in my, well, not really quiet, but I warm up in the car and then I get to school and I warm up or I warm up at home. I try to, like I tell my voice students, try to memorize how that felt in your body and then apply that when you sing it in your song and your aria. So I try to do that too. Like, okay, how did I do that? Oh, I have, I have a funny story to tell you. So when I was, <laughs> when I was working on the opera last year and I was struggling, I was struggling so bad. And I sang the high note in the one aria that I was struggling with. And my 10 year old says to me, um, that wasn't good. <gasps> oh <And> my I, gosh. <laughs> like, what do you mean? So I said, can you play the high C for me on the piano? She plays it and she looks at me and I was like, ooh, okay. I wasn't around the pitch. So I said, let me try that again. So I go from my kitchen to the front door. I run. I run and then I sing. Because that's the only way I was like, maybe it's my breathing. I'm not energizing my breath a lot. So I sang it again and she goes, that was much better. <laughs> oh, my Good God. Lord, child. <laughs> 
But that's what we get when we have two girls You're getting who, who created have... by your 10 year old. Yes. And then when I, sometimes I play the, a couple times a month, I play the church organ piano at our church. And there are days when I'm, I'm like on fire, like, Ooh, I'm okay. This is good. This is good. And then there are days when it's like, I'm playing with mittens. And one time I messed up so many times, Lucy, my 12 year old says, what happened? (laughs) What do you mean? What happened? She goes, you messed up so many times. And I was like, shut up, shut up. My husband was laughing. He's like, honey, really? That was interesting. I was like, I know my finger slipped. (laughs) It was like, oh my God. So we're all laughing and it's like, well, and, and, you know, that's what we get when we as full-time musicians have kids who hear us, you know, and they go to recitals and they go to rehearsals with us. They go to our shows. So they're used to it. So now they're very critical. Right. The biggest critics around. We just laugh. We just well, laugh and they are very talented too, both of them. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. which is really awesome. I mean, like whenever I look at the videos that you post, you know, I have this little jealous tug that, you know, I wish I grew up in a musical family. Maybe I could actually sing now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, though, to be honest with you, sometimes we're like, girls, can you stop? Like, I think it was two weeks ago and we had two days of voice juries and we were just all day in our recital hall listening to 30 something students sing. And when we got home, we were tired. We were hungry. We were exhausted. And what do we hear? We hear the clarinet. We hear the piano. We hear the recorder. And then we hear singing. And I finally was like, girls, can you, can you just stop just for a few minutes, just for mommy and daddy had voice juries all day yesterday and today, and we just need silence. Okay. And then just a few minutes. And then all of a sudden we hear more singing and my husband and I, we just look at each other like, Oh my God. Oh my God, please stop. It's like, okay, we'll be quiet for a few minutes. And now we're going to play Jupiter. Oh, I know, <laughs> and we, but, but we don't want to stop them. But sometimes we're like, girls, it, it's just, it's just a lot of noise going on. You know, like we have the piano, Lucy practices. And then she's like, oh, maybe I'm going to go to practice the clarinet. And then sometimes Anna, our 10 year old gets a bug up her butt and whips out the harmonica or she takes the drumsticks because we have a drum pad and then she starts beating on her like the, the music stand and we're like oh my god stop <laughs> but at the end of the day it's funny like it's funny to us but sometimes we're like can we just have silence just for like five minutes that that's all we want is silence But it's fun and they love it. I think it's probably creating a lot of really good memories. And I think it's good to be in an atmosphere where you have that kind of musical noise, actually. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just the TV going on and that creative spirit, too, because, you know, that's where all of that's coming from. So that's pretty cool. It is. It is like yesterday, Lucy had her friend over and we had a few friends over just for a little bit and the three girls were busy doing something and they put on a show. Now, granted, it was five songs from five different musicals and they had costumes, they had lighting. Bradley and I just sat there. We're like, okay. Did they change their costumes? In oh yeah, they each did. Number? They had costume changes. They had a prop. They had harmonies. They came up with, they put on shows. And I know some people are like, oh my God, 
you know, but Bradley and I think it's funny. Like it, we, we think it's funny and it's cute because they are being very creative. And like you said, it's better than the TV, which admittedly ours will sit and watch movies and TV and all that. But then it's like they start making up songs and have costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which are my old scarves and sometimes a bra. You know what I mean? <laughs> we just go. Can you just and the high heel shoes, right? And the high heel shoes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the cowboy boots. My husband's cowboy boots come out and Anna puts a pan <laughs> on her head and we just go, all right, okay, make sure you put it back. <laughs> That's cute. It is. It's fun. That's cute. Those are really cute ages too. I mean, it's kind of like where they start getting to know what they want to do when they grow up. And yeah. I think just this exposure to music, I, I, you know, I actually had gotten the kids into playing the piano when they were young, because mm-hmm. I had read an article about how music affects the brain and intelligence and, you know, math, especially. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I remember when we were in that honors music class with, Bill? Uh, Dr. Doyle. Yeah. Yeah, with Bill Doyle. He had said that, I don't know, in the very early times, uh, music in Greek, Roman times, uh, you could not be a musician until you had shown a proficiency for math. Oh, yeah. For arithmetic, because there's so much counting and understanding tempo and rhythm that requires you to understand math. And I was looking at this one study and it was showing a PET scan and it showed this one part of the brain that is only lit up when you're reading music and playing an instrument at the same time or reading music and singing at the same time. And that just somehow provides a much deeper connection with Mm -hmm. logic and your ability to more on the math side Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. was this article. And it was quite long ago. And I've noticed that my kids are like way smarter than I am. So maybe (laughs) it worked. No, I, like, I, how do you know that? How do you do that? Like, well, it's it's interesting because like I find it because sometimes when I'm bored here at home and I'll start just taking a Mozart sonata book that I don't have a lot of piano music of you know classical, but the girls are in piano lessons and sometimes just to keep my brain active when it comes to piano playing and sight reading, I'll just sight read a piece. I'll just I'll try to work it out. It's like a puzzle. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. It's like a puzzle for me and I it's fun when I can figure it out Um, but I'm no pianist I didn't study piano but I can play and so I think it does it makes you work or um, like really think about what's going on on the page and it it is math but to me it's like a puzzle like oh what is that okay okay let me do that again one two and three you know I have to figure it out Um, and it's kind of fun for me in a really nerdy way (laughs) yeah it's like yeah, it's very nerdy for me to just, oh, I want to sight read that. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. You know, and I think Lucy's <laughs> getting to that point. Like she wants to learn. She has to realize, you know, you have to practice. And same thing with Anna, our 10 year old who doesn't practice, but she just wants to get it. You know, she, does, she doesn't have the patience. She just wants to get it. But it's like, you have to practice guys. But I think they're loving it too. And I think to see them work it out is kind of fun to watch. You know, like I'll sit next to them and I'm like, okay, figure that out, figure the right hand. And, and, and how, how many beats is that? And they'll explain it to me. So, and they are also good in math. So maybe there is a correlation there. I don't know. <laughs> right. I 
mean, they've been singing since they were in the womb, probably. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget. I was singing at our school and I was singing with this trumpeter and I was pregnant with Lucy. I was maybe like six months, maybe. And one of the teachers was like, Michelle, we were wondering if your baby can hear you. (laughs) I don't know. Well, according to studies, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But they're born, you know, like you have families that are sports families. We are a music family. And it's fun. You know, it's it's fun to see the growth in the girls. And one time when I sometimes teach at home, I have private students and I'm teaching them, you know, do this, do that, lift your throat, make sure you're breathing down below. And then I will listen to the girls just for fun, just sing. And I'm like, do you guys listen to us while we teach? Because they're doing what I'm telling the students. So it's really fascinating Mm -hmm. for me. Like, are you listening to me? (laughs) It's like they're getting it through osmosis or something, right? Yeah. They probably are passively listening to you. You know, it's not active, like they're actively doing whatever activity it is, but in the background, they're hearing your instruction and it's connecting. Yeah, it is. So it's really fascinating, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. We also want them to do sports and stuff like that. In fact, they have a volunteer ball camp in July, but music is what they live in. And it's, we think it's great. <laughs> so. I think so too. And, you know, I have played a couple of instruments over my lifetime and I never got any of them. I literally cannot play anything, but I, oh. I played the accordion when I was a kid and then the viola and then the piano And then I learned how to play over the rainbow on the ukulele, which was really hard for me to do because of the way that your hand has to strum. Oh, yeah, yeah. The strumming, I had no clue about that ever. Like I'd never played a string instrument before other than the viola. Um, But every time I hear somebody say like what you just said that Lucy does, you know, where she starts to play the piano and then she goes and she gets the clarinet and then she decides that she's going to bang on the drums and then she sings. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, (laughs) that it's such an incredible concept to me that I can't grasp that personally, but Uh I can love it when I see it. Just like, wow, this is so mind blowing and so beautiful and so amazing to me that I just kind of, I get lost in that, you know, when other people... Well, and it, it's, it. it's, it was amazing to me too. both my husband and I, even when they were younger and they were singing, you know, when Frozen was a big hit and they were singing it. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget one time we were in the car and of course we were listening to Frozen and Anna, our 10 year old now, but I, I can't remember how old she was, but she would sing it and she wasn't quite on pitch. And so <laughs> Bradley and I were like, <laughs> we're noticing Lucy's, you know, getting closer to the pitch. Okay. That's great. Anna, not so much. And one time we were in the car and she's trying to sing, let it go. And she was, I mean, she was singing it with gusto. Like we were like, yes, but she wasn't in tune when we were done. She goes, I am almost there. Right. I'm almost there. And we're like, so close, Anna, very close, just a little bit higher, you know, but she was what, three, four, I don't know, but they, you know, it's, just in them and it's great and do we want them to go into music we don't know because it is kind of a hard life (laughs) you know to struggle and you know you're gonna have so many no's but they love it and we don't push them to do anything we just you know do you want to do it yeah okay no I don't want to okay you know okay (laughs) 
Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah, it, it is. Now, did you grow up in a musical household or how did music become your thing? We did. So on my mom's side, I know that my grandfather in the Philippines was a musician as well as his siblings. So all my great uncles were musicians. They all played guitar, the clarinet, and I can't remember what else. I have a picture actually of some of them. Ooh. And so a lot of my aunts and my cousins, we all sing. I had a few cousins that were in Miss Saigon and Rent. So they lived in New York and Canada. And my one cousin and her husband, they lived in Stuttgart and they did Miss Saigon there. So my family is mainly being in musical theater. I'm the only one that ventured into classical. And so I have the formal degrees for that, where my cousins all can sing and play the piano and play the guitar. A lot of it is by ear, but I'm the one that can, okay, give me your sheet music. I'll play it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, so I did grow up in, and I did play piano. My mom put me in piano lessons at five. So we grew up with music as well. So yeah, it's, it's in us and my sister too, but she won't, she won't sing. <laughs> Oh, I bet she's got a beautiful voice too. She, you know, she can sing, but she's human resources. <laughs> <laughs> she's very serious. She's very, yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, so yes, I, I did grow up in a musical household. My dad, not so much. You know, my dad wasn't into music, but he was supportive. I mean, I had piano lessons every week and every time I sang somewhere, they were there. And so I just thought it was natural for me to go into music. It was what I loved to do. That's how it happened. What was it about the opera that you liked so much? It's funny. I didn't really like it at first. You know, I wanted to do musical theater. I wanted to be a Broadway singer because that's what my cousins did. And that's what we kind of grew up listening to, you know, watching them. My one cousin who's my age, she was in Annie. She was in Saigon. She was in South Pacific. And I wanted to do that. And actually, it was when I started studying at El Camino. I was in their private voice lessons, applied music. And that's when I could not grasp how to sing musical theater. And so when I started with another teacher, I can't remember who it was, and I thought, oh, maybe my voice is better at this, at classical. And so I just kept going that way, singing the Schuberts and the Mozarts and the Schumanns and, you know, all these wonderful classical art songs. And then when I got to UC Santa Barbara, I was introduced to sopranos and the opera. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I like it. What I love about it is, you know, this beautiful music where you act and have, you know, keep up your technique and stamina, but you get to be somebody else for like two and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's really cool. You get to sing this beautiful music and try to tell a story, whether it's in Italian, German, English, French, whatever it is. But I came to love it the more I studied voice. And I thought, wow, that was so cool. I love that. So I really didn't get into opera until my undergrad, you know, um, because I was like, oh, that's boring. But the more I studied, the more I listened. And I had a friend that would say, oh, listen to this aria, Michelle. And we would go to the library and put on a record. And I would say, oh my God, I want to do that. And I would go to my voice teacher and can I do this? And he's like, yeah, you can try. And I just experimented with my voice and listened. And I was like, I want to do that. And I tried it. I went out and I auditioned and I did the whole young artist, you know, audition for companies here and there when I was done and I got no's and I just had to have patience. Mm -hmm. So while I'm not out there performing like at the Met or San Francisco or LA or even Upper Colorado, I've done some really good roles in smaller companies here in the Denver area. And it's, I'm, I'm happy with that. You know, I mean, my goal is still to go into bigger houses, but at 47, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> 
You, you never, never know. know. I know. You know. And I think that the smaller venues, you know, we just a um, couple of weeks ago, we went to see a male soprano from, I want to say Venezuela. His name is Samuel Mourinho. Uh-huh. He was playing at the Zipper Auditorium at the Colburn School in downtown Los Angeles. And it was a small room that's created specifically for their chamber orchestra and these amazing voices, you know, but it was small. And I love that because you feel like it's intimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. And I love that. You know, I, I, I still have dreams and aspirations at, at my stage in my life and, you know, but there are times as a singer, like I, I, years ago, I would have my moments where I would say to my husband, you know, I compare myself to people that I went to school with. It's like, why, why didn't I make it? Why did they? And, you know, I was told I had this great, nice voice, this big voice, but have time, have patience. And I'm, I have patience. And then I start crying. (laughs) I am neurotic. I I say that lovingly. Um, But he was like, honey, you have to realize that you're still in music. You're like the 1%. You don't have an eight to five job. You're not serving tables. You're not, you're in music. So, you know, be happy with that. No, you're not out there. And, but he's like, but you can still try. And, you know, we do. It's harder now with kids, you know, because they're in school and they have their activities and I don't want to miss that. So I have to make that decision. Right. You know, and if I have rehearsals, you know, I'm very aware of, okay, if I have a conflict, I can't do that. I can't do that rehearsal because my child has something. And so they're very understanding. But, you know, it's I still have my dreams. You know, I still want to try to strive for that. And so, you know, when I go out there and sing my opera scenes, you know, with Boulder Opera in July, I'm going to give it my 1000% hoping that somebody in the audience goes, oh, wow, she's pretty good. Let's hire her. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I... I've always thought that your voice was amazing, you know, from sitting on that rooftop at Stiegel Keller in Salzburg, and we're all just, you know, sitting there having beer, and you're creating this beautiful melody with a couple of the other singers that went with us, and it was just oh wow, gorgeous, yeah. you know. I remember strangers coming up and saying, I wish that I could sing like that, yeah, you yeah. know, or people just came over and sat near us so that they could listen yeah, to you. Yeah. To um, you did a Gershwin recital out here one time, and it was, I kind of want to say it was like over by the Greek theater. Um, best, oh, yes, it was in Glendale at the library. My husband and I, yes, yes, oh my god, that was a long time ago, and that was a long time ago. That was really spectacular. And, Uh-oh. you know, so I've, I've always thought that you've had an amazing voice. And well, thank you. You're welcome. I think that there's just certain professions that are just like really saturated. You have to just go and go and go. But oh, also, yeah. I think that there's yeah. some luck that goes along with it. You know, like people who have the amazing voice that you do and the talent that you do. I know that You've done, you know, Santuza, Leonora. Yeah, Yeah, that was my last, that was last year. And that was the one that was really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It was hard. That one was hard, but yeah, it's, it is a lot of luck and, and, you know, and it's also a lot of hard work too. You know, like there are times when you're like, God, I worked really hard on this and why didn't I get cast? Or, you know, maybe it's just, I'm not the right look. 
or you're not the right voice type, you know, because there's so many sopranos. I call myself a soprano, but people will say, oh, I'm a lyric soprano or I'm a dramatic. I don't like to categorize myself because I don't want people to be like, well, she calls herself a dramatic, but she's not no dramatic, you know? <laughs> I just say I'm a soprano and I, I can't sing that or I can sing that. I can tell you what I can <laughs> sing, but it, it it's, it's a lot of hard work. And, you know, I feel like for me at this stage, I've done a lot of good things and it's exciting. And if this is where I end up, you know, just doing a lot of local stuff, that's fine. You know, I think I've come to the conclusion, I was a couple of years ago that it's like, this is good, Michelle, you have daughters too. I have to, they're my number one priority. So it's like, I don't want to be that absent mom that, you know, I'm off somewhere in New York singing something and my child has a starring role in a musical. I don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. No. Definitely. No. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of hard work. And I think, you know, some will say it is some luck and, or, or you're at the right place at the right time. For me, I just try to work really hard at it and really come in knowing my music and being a good colleague and having fun. Having fun and really enjoying what mm -hmm. you're doing is the biggest payoff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what keeps you coming back every time. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the favorite roles that you'd be cast in? I love doing Liu uh, in Puccini's Turandot, which was years ago. Um, I love that one. That one was a lot of fun. I did it a few times. My most memorable was I did Violetta from Verdi's La Traviata. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was, that one, let me explain how that happened. So I was asked to audition. There was three of us sopranos in the area here that were asked to audition. And he gave it to another soprano. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But I don't know, it was like eight weeks, nine weeks before the production, the show, the director emails me and says, hey, Michelle, uh, so-and-so is pregnant and she's due around that time. Do you want to do it? And I went, oh, can I have my score? <laughs> he goes, no, because it's semi-staged with the orchestra. And I went, can I get back to you? Um, can I think about it? <laughs> so I call my voice teacher and I said, oh my God, what do I do? She goes, you can do it, but you got to eat, live and breathe that role. So I took it and I learned that entire role in eight or nine weeks. Oh my God. And Bradley, my husband was like, I don't even know. I'm still amazed how you did that. And I literally, every moment I had, I had the score in my lap. I was at the piano. I was listening to it. I was walking to the rhythm. I'd walk into work and I was listening to the, just singing it in my head and walking in rhythm. I looked probably stupid, but whatever. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. And so I did it. And then <laughs> what was so memorable about it is I was newly pregnant. I had just found out and we didn't tell oh anybody. And so Violetta dies at the end, right? I'm, oh, whoo, I spoiled that, but <laughs> she dies at the end. And I remember at the intermission, I was like, Bradley, I think I, I'm starting to get sick. I, oh my God, my stomach. He's like, okay, drink oh some no. Coke. Because I read that caffeine or Coke will help you feel. And so I did. And so I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm really going to die on stage because I feel sick. Like I'm going to throw up on stage. Oh my God. <laughs> And so I got through it and I, you know, I fell at the end because she dies. And, and I was like, oh my God, I don't, don't want to do that again. Cause that was, it, I, it was like midway through, I thought I'm going to throw up on stage. I'm going to throw up on stage. Violetta's going to die sooner than later. <laughs> that, would, that would be I the know. worst thing. Oh my but God. We it was fun. And then I, I really liked um, Fiordaligi from Mozart's Così Fan Tutte because mm -hmm. that was a comedic opera. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I loved 
her music. I love her arias and they were hard, but I loved it. And I had a lot of fun. So I would have to say Fior Ligi was probably my favorite, but I don't have a least favorite, but Santuzza, the one you mentioned earlier, I was cast in that, but that's not necessarily my voice type. Oh, <laughs> they cast me. They're like, do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. And so I think it was just, I wanted to sing. You know, I wanted to work and I, maybe that sounds like desperation, but I just wanted to get out there and just work, you know, and I, I took the role as a way to practice on my acting and my drama, my emotional acting on stage, because it was very emotional. Like it was, the music is beautiful. And while it didn't really show me off vocally, I really had to work at my acting and my emotions, you know, on stage. And, and it, it was, that was what was hard. So my favorite might be Mozart, but I love them all. I find them all to be very challenging. <laughs> We'll see how Wagner works oh out. Oh my gosh. I think it's going to be great. You know, when you said that Bradley suggested that you drink a Coke, I thought you were going to say that it started gassing you up. Because it's funny. I mean, like, that's one of the things where just before we came on, there's some Cokes in the fridge. And I thought, oh, I'm going to drink one of those. And I'm like, no. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I, you know, they say to not drink any caffeine while you're pregnant. But I just, I think I needed the bubbles. That's funny. <laughs> I needed something to get me through that last act because the nausea just was kicking in. And I thought, Oh, sweet baby Jesus, get me through this. Let me die gracefully. Let me not puke on stage. <laughs> Amen. And <laughs> how many how many of those shows did you have to do or was it just one night? I think it was one. And I'll never forget the one guy that was the father. He said to me he, at the end, he goes, I don't know how you sang all those high notes at the very end when you had all that bigger singing at the beginning. And I was like, I prayed. I prayed a lot. <laughs> but he didn't. nobody knew that we were pregnant. So I was like, oh, God, I just prayed a lot. Wow. And Bradley just kept like on the side because he was in the opera as well. And he kept going, are you OK? Are you OK? I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, oh it's almost gosh. done. I'm like, he goes, just breathe. I'm like, I am, but oh my God, I'm going to throw up on stage. <laughs> I got through it, but it was, you know, it was rough. It's so ironic that the soprano that had originally been cast was to not do, able yeah, oh my God, to I didn't even think about sing that. because she yeah. was pregnant and then there you are singing pregnant and dying yes, because you're and she pregnant. was about to give birth that's so, I didn't even think about that that is <laughs> I just think the whole thing is so funny it is it's really funny you just reminded me of when the kids were little I did a nutcracker with them over at the Warner Grand Theater and during rehearsal, I was watching Clara doing her 6,000 spins, just spinning uh -huh. around. Um, I think it's the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies or something. And I, I could just hear her, you know, we're behind the curtains there in the back. And she's spinning and she's going, oh, God, spin. Oh, God, spin. Oh, shit, spin. I'm going to die. Spin. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> That is so, 
not ballerina like and it was hilarious and when you were just telling me that you know how you felt doing violetta it it just reminded me of the same thing except for you were actually in front of an audience yeah yeah i i really did i was not acting for a while there i thought yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw up i'm come on michelle come on just breathe but i pulled it off and then when we were done i was like can we go get something to eat like i felt like i needed something in my stomach and then i was like oh god maybe not maybe not i just need to lay down (laughs) but yeah yeah and we were that was up with opera fort collins so we had like a four 45 minute drive. Oh my gosh. So I was like, oh God, I just want to get home. You're like, not the windy road, stay off the windy road. Right, right. I can laugh now. But it's been fun and an experience, even singing while pregnant. I'll, I'll never forget, I was. I was singing the first time with Colorado Springs Philharmonic. I was singing this Beethoven and I, I was visibly pregnant. I think it was like seven months. And I was on the side and my husband would be like, he would rub my belly and go, wake the baby, wake. And I'm like, stop it. Because she would kick. And it was one of those dresses. It wasn't very fancy. It was you know a very simple gown. But if she kicked, because it was Lucy, I was pregnant with Lucy. And if Lucy kicked, you could see my belly oh my moving because she was kicking. I was like, oh, my God, I have to walk on stage and she's kicking. <laughs> and then he was laughing. Oh, yeah. But, you know. When you're big like that, it's really funny when they're moving around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did that affect your singing? It did. Would she move around when you sing or did that seem to calm her? She kicked a few times. I remember both girls did because I I was singing up until I would go into labor, you know, because both of our girls were early. Mm -hmm. So I would sing at a concert or I'd sing at church or I was at work. You know, I was like, oh, my stomach hurts. (laughs) Uh Oh, I had a coworker who's a dear friend of ours. And I was pregnant with Anna and I was maybe two, three weeks out. And I go, you know, I'm having some pain. He's like, well, Michelle, I I can, I can deliver your baby here on the floor. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in the hospital. (laughs) I love you, Jean, but nope. But um, she kicked a lot. Both girls kicked a lot. And I found it. It's funny. I found it very easy to sing while being pregnant. It was afterwards where I, I struggled, you know, because everything was loose, you know, and mm-hmm. I had to really work at all that. And, you know, I, I with Lucy, I, I had a hard time bouncing back because I was scared. I was like, what's going on? Why can't I breathe? You know, and <laughs> with Anna, I thought, Michelle, give yourself time. You just had a baby a week ago. We're good. Um, and then it just everything kind of came into place because I stayed singing, you know, but mm-hmm. singing while pregnant was actually a lot of fun. It was easy because I didn't have any, I couldn't tuck, you know, some, some of us singers like to tuck or we don't want to, we don't want to show our belly. Well, I'm sorry, my belly's big. So I have to, there's no choice. There's no choice. <laughs> so I'm just going to sing and sing. <laughs> so was, oh my God. That's yeah. so funny. Um, if you had some advice for any students, up and coming students who, or anybody who wants to learn how to sing and get into either Broadway or turn into a rock star, pop star, mm-hmm. or do opera, what would you tell them? I would tell them to have patience, you know, because I mean, maybe some people happen overnight, but it doesn't happen overnight. You know, we have to work at this craft, especially with singing, because there's so many people that want to make it 
into this business, it seems like. I mean, you got the American Idols, you have The Voice, you have whatever else is out there in the pop world, but then you also have opera and musical theater, and that's highly competitive as well. So what I tell my students in the college world, and even the young ones that I have, you've got to have patience, and you have to want it, and you have to have that thick skin knowing that you're going to hear a lot of no's. You know, if you really want it, you're going to work at it. You know, if you get a no, allow yourself to get mad, cry, throw something, drink a beer. You know, that's what I did when I got my nose. I <laughs> cried. I, you know, I, I remember doing a competition and my husband was like, Michelle, that was the best I've heard you sing. And I didn't make it to the finals. Mm. And even the patrons were like, Michelle, you were robbed. You should be there. And, you know, I had to keep that. It's okay. Hey, I had so much fun. I got in the car. I cried. Oh. I cried. Why did I, you know, and, and my husband like, I know, honey, I'm hungry. Let's go get a beer. And that was my way of <laughs> comforting myself was let's go eat and have a beer. And so I did. Yeah. I cried. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to allow myself to get mad. And then the next day I'm going to say, you know what? Stop. Let's, let's get going now. Let's, let's figure out the next year. Let's figure out what we want to do next. How do we fix this? And so I would just, you know, have patience, but you have to work at it. It's not just going to happen overnight. You know, it's a lot of hard work. And the thing is, and it's, it's funny because I have some students that are like, I thought singing was easy. It's like, you know, it is, but you also have to know how to sing correctly so that you stay singing forever. You got to make sure you're singing on pitch. And then you also have to know what you're singing about. You know, you don't want to just sing about love. And then you have this like sad look on your face and people are like, I thought that was a love song. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like I have a student, I gave her the Schumann it was basically she was singing in German saying, mother, mother, I love him so. And because I love him so, my love for you is stronger. And I said, I want to see more emotion behind your eyes. Right now, you're just kind of staring into space. I want to feel that you're saying, mother, mother, I love him. But, you know, it's like you need to know what you're singing about. So that way you're telling the story to the listener because we can sit there and listen to a nice voice. But if it's just a boring performance and there's nothing behind it, then that's not fun for us. You know what I mean? It's like right. if you're singing about you know, losing a loved one, let's hear that. Let's see that. And sometimes if you have, if you're using your past experiences, it, it makes it, sorry, in a way better because you're saying, oh, my God, you know, I love this person. He or she is gone and we feel it. So it's a lot of hard work. And so I just my advice would be have patience and keep working. You know, when you stop crying, this is what I say to myself and my students. When you stop crying from that no, that means maybe you should stop singing. You should stop trying. When you're not so nervous, maybe it's time to be like, you know what? I don't think this matters anymore. But that's just my opinion. You know, I can sit here and say, oh, you know, I got a no from a company that I auditioned for. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. But little do you know that I go in the shower and I cry because I'm so bummed that I didn't get it and I thought I did well. You know what I mean? So it's it's like you have to have that thick skin. You have to have patience. You have to have the want to do it because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a tough world opera, musical theater, pop, whatever country, whatever genre it is. It's, it's a tough world, you know? So the day I stop crying is the day I stop trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and you have to have that balance, right? You have to have the thick skin, but you still have to put your whole soul out there at the same time. You do. You do. It's that stage presence 
that I think you were talking about, especially people who are trying to get into classical music a little bit more as listeners or as audience members, we don't always understand what's being said. And, you know, like for me, when I'm listening to opera, even though I might be able to understand if it were just spoken in a regular cadence, like a regular conversation, Mm -hmm. I'd be able to understand some of those words. But now they're being stretched out into these nebulous notes, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about, but I'm seeing the action and I'm like, okay, yeah, right. you know, there's some serious going on here or, or, you know, this is super lighthearted and they're just like really, you know, joking with each other. And that's what we want. You know, like I had this one student, you know, years ago and she was always so nervous singing and I said, you know what, we can forgive the technical issues if you just perform tell us the story, put some emotion behind it. But then there are also, you know, sometimes we don't want to do that. We don't want to show our vulnerability on stage. You know, we don't want to do that. I have done that (laughs) and I don't care at this point, but you know, it's okay to knock down that wall. And if you start crying on stage, that's okay. Does it screw up the technique? Yes, because you get all tight, but you're human and you're showing your vulnerability on stage. And it's like, oh man, she really felt that peace. You know, one time I sang this song in a masterclass and it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. This was before I was married and I started crying. It was after my mom died and I was dating Bradley and the technician was like, okay, Michelle, sing your song. Okay. Now what does that mean? And it's this piece called come ready and see me. And it's like, um, Come ready and see me no matter how late. Come before the years run out. I've been waiting with a candle. No wind will blow out. And it's pretty much like, I can't wait forever for the years are running out. And I started crying. And he goes, why are you cr- why, why did you stop singing? And I was like, because I can't keep going. <laughs> and like, he goes, all right there you go. And I thought, I don't want to cry on stage, but I was so, I felt the words so much that I started Mm -hmm. to cry. And it was just my friends that were in the audience were like, that was really kind of cool, but are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just, something took over me. And I I think that the text got to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, you don't have to have the world's most beautiful voice. If you can just emote, you know, and sing us the text, really share the text with us. Then I think it's like, you've done your job. I mean, unless it's a pop star, you know, you can't be like, I'm levitating, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a little different. (laughs) That is a little different. Um, You just reminded me of when, and I love to sing, you know, and like, thank God my kids have been listening to me since they were little kids. Uh So they're totally used to my terrible voice. But sometimes... (laughs) certain notes will make me start crying. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it's not the words. It's not the music. It's that I'm hitting a certain note and my throat is doing something and I have to stop because I'm going to start bawling Mm -hmm. or I do actually start crying Mm -hmm. and it's just Mm -hmm. hitting those particular notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually is that. Yeah. Or sometimes for me, it's the chord under the vocal line or just even the vocal line. Like on Good Friday, I sang that spiritual, were you there? You know, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Mm-hmm. And I hadn't sung for Good Friday service for a while because I always had to play the organ at our church. 
And I sang it and I thought, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then I heard sniffling in the congregation. I kept hearing this. (laughs) And then I see people crying and I thought, oh shit, here it goes. I'm going to start crying you know, and I just, I just had to take deep breaths. And even my husband was like, okay. I'm like, oh my God, that was really hard to do. (laughs) And it was a simple, a simple spiritual, you know, but then when you had to think about the context of the piece and the actual day and then the congregation crying and I was like, oh God, okay, please don't look at, I can't look at you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it was, like I said, it was a simple song, but I think there's something with the text and the chords underneath it and just the message. And I think that's what some young singers, you know, that are training to be singers or music educators, they're so used to just singing the notes and the words and the, like, I got to get the notes right. I got to get the rhythm right. I got to get the words right. That they don't actually know what they're singing about, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like, you should know what you're singing about because this is beautiful. Whether it's Richard Hundley or if it's Mozart or Schubert, you know, singing about a fish. Let's, 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 I want to see your emotion when the fish gets loose. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know it's silly. Or Gretchen at the spinning wheel, Gretchen Amspinrada from Schubert. That's, she's sitting there and she's singing about this man she loves. Let me see that. It may not be the best voice, but let me see that you understand the text, the meaning behind this beautiful haunting piece. So it's really hard sometimes, you know, but going back to your question, know what you're singing about, have patience, have thick skin. And if you want it, you'll know. So you will do what you can to get where you want to be. And maybe you won't get to the highest level. Maybe you won't get to the Met or Lyric Opera of Chicago or Broadway. But you know what? You tried. And like my voice teacher would say to me, go and audition. Go and do what you can. I I don't want you to have regrets. And so I would say, you know, I'm going to go audition just because you never know. That's my attitude now. You never know. Yeah. I'll just go and have fun. I don't get it. I don't get it. If I mess up, I mess up. I'm coming home to my husband and kids. They won't be too critical. I have a good life. And if I get this, it's icing on the cake. Exactly. If I don't, okay, I'll cry a little bit. I'll nitpick. Okay, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Did I do this wrong? What I Was I wearing the right outfit? <laughs> did I do this right? But at the end of the day, and it's for me, I can only say this for me, Sylvia. It's I come home to my kids. Now, granted, they are critical, like I told you before, <laughs> but they're still going to be, <laughs> mommy, that wasn't good. They're still going to be like, you're home. How was, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, you did really poorly. <laughs> We're not talking to you today. You did not get that high F. Forget it. I'm making my own dinner. And I'm not making any for you, mom. Mommy, that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, while I, while I have talked about how critical they are, they're still going to love me when I come home and tell them, oh man, I royally messed up. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think that's good for them to hear and to see because it gives them a more even keel understanding of what life is like, what reality is like, we go out there, we try our best sometimes and we fail abysmally. And you know what? It's okay because everybody does it. It's not like Mm -hmm. you're the only one that failed today. Or sometimes we go out there and we kick ass on something and the people who really should be noticing the most don't. And so we don't get the part. We don't get cast or we don't get what it is that we want. It hurts, but it's part of life. You brush yourself off 
and you get up and you keep going. And I think that's really great yeah, to show yeah. that to your kids. Yeah, you know, and when I did Trovatore last year, that Leonora role, my girls, you know, they were in the audience. And when we were done, I said, did you guys understand it? And they go, yeah, kind of. And I think they try to read the subtitles, but I think they just watch the emotion. They're, they're watching the scene instead of, you know, reading what's going on. And I, I mean, they got it, but they said, oh, no, we understood it. I said, OK, that's good. <laughs> Because everybody was performing and emoting and doing the right thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if I do really good or if I do really bad, I come home to them and it's like, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I pop a beer you know, <laughs> or a glass of wine. You know what? <laughs> Let's just be honest. Right. A bottle of wine. A and bottle I'm good. of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I always, when I'm teaching my college students or my middle schoolers who want to, you know, go on to Broadway, it's like, you got to, first of all, know how to sing, but... You need to know what you're singing about and just be ready. You know, you're going to get no's, but just if you want it that badly, you're going to keep going. You'll know when you don't want it. Right. It's a hard world, but I have no regrets. I've had some fun roles and, you know, and then I try to teach my students, okay, I'll give you my words of wisdom, go out there and do it and have patience. You know, I've had to console students who didn't get in the top three of a competition or didn't get the role they wanted. I get phone calls at night. I didn't get it. Okay. It's all right. You know, or I've had to one-on-one sit with them in the studio and say, Hey, it's fine. there's more out there. This is just your undergrad, you know, and sometimes they do get things. And sometimes I have to tell them, okay, let's not get too cocky. (laughs) Remember, we need to be humble or congratulations. But I try to tell them, hey, it's a tough world, but just try. Michelle, should I audition for this role? Yeah, go audition for it. Just know you might not get it, but do it for the experience. Because the more you do it, the more it'll become like second nature for you. It's such a hard world, but I wouldn't change anything. And I think that with singing, it is that much harder to go out and put yourself out and then that much harder to not make that role that you want because it's so personal. I mean, that's your voice. That's your personal instrument. That's Mm -hmm. your soul that you're putting out there to the world. Mm -hmm. And when somebody says, yeah, that was great, but it's not good enough. That is really tough. It is. I know that most of the time they don't mean it like yeah. that, but that's the way it comes across. You know, it's, it is it is our instrument. You know, we do take it personally. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think the younger singers, you know, they do, t- you know, what did I do wrong? And hey, I was there. I did that too. But I think the older I get and my priorities have changed, it's like, you know what? I'm going to go audition for it. I get it. I get it. I don't. I don't. What's What do you guys want for dinner? <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> You know, I go, I sing a role. We sing in a concert with orchestra and choir. We're in gowns and it's like, okay, you guys want Burger King? I'm hungry. <laughs> what do you guys want to do now? You know, that's... And what's, what's the vintage that we have at home? What are the choices? <laughs> yeah, right? And I find it funny. Like we get up there, we sing on stage. We're very poised. We sing a lovely song and yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's like, girl, stop, stop running around. Get over here. Stop running around. <laughs> We become parents. We step off the stage and we are mom and dad. On stage, we are soprano baritone. Off the stage, we're like, get over here. (laughs) Did you wash your hands? (laughs) Stop. Put your shoes back on. Stop. Go wash your hands. Do your homework. Yeah. (laughs) Are you hungry? Okay, let's go. Can I have money for the vending machines? Okay, hold on. (laughs) You know, 
Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's hard work, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. What are the roles you have that are coming up? I'm singing with Boulder Opera in the end of July. She's doing the Wagner's Ring. And so the one that I'm doing is Die Valkyrie, which I'm doing the Zieglinda Zygmunt duet. And then she threw the curveball at me. She said, can you sing the Brunhilde, the Ride of the Valkyries? <laughs> So I was like, yeah, sure, I can do it. Um, oh my gosh. So that that one's hard because it's not in my body yet. Like the vocal line is not in my brain, my body. So I have to keep listening to it and sitting at the piano. So there are scenes from Wagner's operas, uh, Rheingold, Gotchdammerung, Die Valkyrie, and there might be one other one. And so I'm in the Die Valkyrie opera, but the scenes. So I'm excited. It's going to be new territory for me. That's so cool. And so it's going to be with piano. So I think vocally I'm, I'm okay. And it's going to be in the amphitheater in Boulder. Um, so it'll be fun. I'm excited, a little nervous. I've never sung outside there, so it'll be interesting. But I love the challenge. So I was like, yeah, let me look at it first. And then, okay, I'll do it. And then I sit at the piano going, oh, my God, why did you say yes? <laughs> Because of the challenge. It's because of the challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most exciting yeah. part. You know, you're going to experience something new. You're going to present something new. Yeah. This is something completely like, I honestly, and I probably shouldn't admit this, but I will. When I was studying music history in grad school, you know, we touched on Wagner's operas and listening for the light motifs and, and what's going on in here. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ever sing this. So why should I pay attention? Oh my God. That's so that's funny. What, that was my mentality. So <laughs> yesterday I was telling my husband, I'm like, damn it. I should have listened. I should have paid more attention to Wagner. <laughs> Where are my notes? Where's that notebook at? I know. I better Wikipedia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, because I sang a lot of Italian operas. That's what my teacher would say. Your voice is more on the Italian side. You know, you're an Italianate singer, the bel canto repertoire. I'm like, okay, great. And now that I've gone through second round of puberty at 47, <laughs> now I'm like, oh shit, I got to look at this now. <laughs> I got to put my big girl pants on and, and sing the big girl music. Yeah. Have you ever done any Wagner? I When I was in, at UCSB, my teacher, God rest his soul, he has passed on. He gave me a Wagner aria. And at, at 24, 25, yeah, I sang it. Would I have been able to do the role? Oh, God, no. But I sang it. The notes were there. But at my age now, it's like, oh, now I, this feels good. Like I sang through the duet, a Zieglinda Zygmunt duet. And I was like, oh, shit, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to go find my husband. I'm like, I just sang through the duet. And it feels good. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh -huh. <laughs> because, you know, it was the where it sat in my vocal range. But you know, I, no, I've never, I never, ever thought I would sing it. I thought I'm just going to stick with the Italian repertoire, maybe some lighter German, some French. Um, but never would I have thought I'm going to look at some De Valkyrie from Wagner, you know, and, and my voice teacher said, you should maybe start looking at Lohengrin, like Elsa's Arias. And I was like, what are you kidding? She's like, no, I think you should start looking at that. Just see how it feels. And so shockingly, it was like, oh, okay, this actually feels good. So I don't know. Maybe I'll embrace aging. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that as long as you keep changing what you're singing and exploring and just being curious about, hey, what can my voice do? And what's this going to sound like? What's this going to feel like? You're always going to have something to embrace is really what I think. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, it's a lot of work, like I said, but it's also a lot of fun. Like the, oh, oh, that was good. Oh, that was not good. Oh, that felt good. I've I've been experiencing a lot of that, you know, in the studio. Like, oh, okay, that's a little loud, but okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> That's that's my inner monologue. Is that because it's so new? Because it's something so different? Yeah, it's because it's so new. And because I'm not used to his writing and actually his, even his German. I'm like, what? Wow, I got to look at that. It's like, oh, it feels, it does feel good. Oh, wow. That had been my inner monologue the past few weeks. Like, oh, okay. Maybe this is where I'm headed. You know, the heavier Italian, the lighter Wagner. But I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun. It's beautiful music, hard, but I'm excited. Are the dates set if anybody in Colorado wants to come and see you? Yeah, it's July 29th, Boulder Amphitheater, Opera in the Parks, 7 o'clock. And if it rains, it's the next day. Oh, (laughs) It's on Sunday, the 30th. They have a rain show. I'm excited. I'm always excited to learn new stuff. And to stretch, you know, what can I do and to challenge myself, you know, and if I can't do it, I won't do it anymore. I'll do it and think, oh, I can't do that. Well, I'll say no to that composer. Well, you know, one thing for sure with this one, you're not going to feel like throwing up. No, I know. <laughs> well, if I, I, I still get nervous. I still get like, oh gosh, oh gosh. And I won't eat because I'm afraid <laughs> I won't eat anything, but um, it's a good nerve. Like it's a good nervousness. You know, it's not, oh shit, she's pregnant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this nausea is coming out of nowhere. It yeah. doesn't matter whether you eat or right. not. Um, how far ahead of a show do you stop eating? Well, it's funny. Pre-kids, I was very... Uh, shocking, I'm going to say this, neurotic about (laughs) what I would eat before I would sing. You know, I didn't want to have a soda, you know, because I was always like, oh, I don't want to have the phlegm. Now I'm like, oh God, I'm starving. I better eat now. But (laughs) I I watch, like I won't eat anything. I won't eat anything too heavy. So I'll give myself like two hours and it has to be something light because I don't want to have a stomachache. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do not want to do that. Like when I was doing Mozart a few years ago, Fjordligi, I was so nervous. I would eat like a turkey and cheese sandwich from the deli at the grocery store or the gas station, whatever I came across. But it, ha- it was like just turkey and cheese. And I would eat like hours before the rehearsal or hours before the show. But then I was hungry. Like opening night, I was like, oh my God, my sugar's dropping. I need something. So there was always candy by the makeup artist. So I was shoveling Snickers. And then the costumer (laughs) goes, wow, Michelle, you lost weight. I'm like, "I probably, that doesn't surprise me because I wasn't eating because I didn't want to have a stomach ache. I didn't want to be like, oh, (laughs) 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 exactly. I'm sorry, (laughs) listeners. I didn't want to do that. You know, I was like, I'll just keep drinking water and eating Snickers. (laughs) So, so I give myself a few, a few hours before, but it's what I eat. Like it's gotta be, you know, like um, a sandwich, like a, Mm -hmm. like just a plain turkey and cheese sandwich or 
something like, you know, when I was doing Trovatore last year, my aunt and uncle, they came into town to watch me and they were, they were making this ginger water, like lemon and ginger water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, my aunt goes, it'll help with inflammation, you know? So I was drinking it and I, I noticed I was like drinking three cups of it. And I go, auntie, should I stop? Cause it's ginger and lemon. She's like, well, how many have you had? I'm like three. She's like, Oh yeah, I would stop right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Don't drink anymore, honey. Is that okay? Yeah. So I, I give myself a few hours. Like I don't want to eat anything too heavy because I just it scares me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would be completely worried about that. But you know, I didn't think when I asked the question at all. Like, how do you get through a show if you are famished? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I mean, I'll. There's always somebody always brings snacks you know, like chocolate. I know I did. So if I'm hungry, like I'll bring a granola bar halfway through, I'm starving. So I'll eat a granola bar intermission and then drink water because otherwise my sugar drops and I'm like shaking and hangry and don't want to kill anybody on stage. (laughs) It's like film sets, you know, whenever I'm on a film set, everybody brings. There's always, somebody always has snacks. Right. Yeah. I always remember to bring my, even if it's like peanut M&Ms or a granola, I just, I have to have protein. That's what they told me when I had to go to the doctor for hypoglycemia. They said, you just have to have protein. So I'll bring nuts, but I won't eat a whole meal. Mm -hmm. I'll eat afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) With wine. With wine. (laughs) Or beer. (laughs) I got to celebrate. Exactly. So yeah, I have some kind of snack. There's always some kind of snack in my purse. Or if there's candy somewhere, I'm like, ooh, I'll have that. So yeah. Just to keep my sugar up. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's important. So you do private lessons, right? And are you still teaching at the college? Yeah. I'm affiliate instructor of voice at Metropolitan State University of Denver, downtown. And I do private lessons out of my home. And that is usually just by word of mouth. I don't advertise myself. It's just, oh, hi, Michelle. I'm so-and-so. I got your phone number from so-and-so. My son is auditioning for something and he wants to have voice lessons. Can you help him? Or my daughter is thinking about auditioning for this. Do you have availability? So it's a lot of just by word of mouth or reference. I don't, because I'll be honest with you, there are times when I just want to hang out with the girls and like go out. Just want a lesson, contact me and you can come over for an hour and we can work. So yeah, so I teach privately, private voice lessons, and then I teach at the college. We're on summer break now, so I'm not working, but, and then I play the organ piano at the church at whatever gigs I have coming up. So somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Or do you have a website? Do you have places where people can see your work? Um, it's usually by cell phone, <laughs> cell phone or messenger, social media, okay. you know, that's how I do things or take a class, right? Or take a class. Yeah. It's just by word of mouth. Um, you know, like I am a substitute teacher as well. And so some of the students will remember me and they will ask for my information or if they've seen me perform I had a virtual online lessons for my friend who lives in Minnesota. Oh, wow. I know. Her daughter was auditioning for the summer intensive program. And so she was like, can you do online lessons? And while honestly, while I hate online, she did really well. I hate online because I can't see what you're doing with your mm-hmm. body. You know, I would rather be in person, but she's in Minnesota. And so we worked every week and she auditioned and she got into this summer intensive program in Minneapolis. And so it was really exciting to hear that. That is exciting. Were you doing it like over Zoom so you were able to see the face or was it just ear? Well, we tried that. We did it through Google Meet. Okay. <laughs> 
you know, we had the delay. I would sit at the keyboard and just give her the pitch and give her the exercise. And we'd warm up for you know, a few minutes, 15, 20 minutes. And then we would work on a song and she would have the song on her end, the track on karaoke. And then, you know, we found out that she had to bring sheet music. And so we figured it all out. And when her mom said that she got in, she got accepted. That was like, yay. Okay. You got it. You know? I prefer in person, but because she's in Minnesota. Right. Like, what are you going to do? And we met and it was it was great. We made it work. And that's what we had to do during the pandemic. We had to do online and right. we made it work. So I had one more question. I don't want to take up your whole entire night because I know you're like a couple hours ahead oh, of no me. Oh, no problem. We're only an hour ahead of you. Okay. So we can talk for another three hours if we wanted to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to feed my kids. <laughs> I'm teasing you. Um, I always ask people if there was one thing that you could share with the world, what would it be? I think that would be to find what you love to do and just do it. And if you love to sing, sing. And if you don't think you can sing, so what? Just sing. Just sing in the shower. Sing, sing in your car. You know, just, just try. Don't listen to anybody that says don't do that. Just try. Just keep singing. Just keep saying it. Just what was that from Finding Nemo? Yeah, just keep swimming. Just, yeah. Finding Nemo. So I, I think I would just say, you know, find something that you love to do and that you're passionate about and that you're good at or maybe not so good at and just try. Let's not have regrets. Just, just try. I would hate to be 90 years old and go, God, I never did that. I would hate that. Just try. You may not get it. Who cares? Just try it. So that's what I would say <laughs> as my 10 year old walks into the room. <laughs> She's like, what do I get to try? Can I do anything? I know. Yes. I know. <laughs> Actually, honey, yes, you can. Some things you'll find yeah. out really are not the best things to do, but yes, you can. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But like I tell my college students, so what? Just try. Well, do you think I'll get it? I don't know. But why don't you try? You have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, some of you already messed up on stage. We've messed up on stage. Keep going. Laugh about it cry about it. That's the worst thing. Those mess ups often make the best stories. Oh God. Yeah. Too, later on, you know, you're just laughing over. Them. Oh, I, when we were in rehearsal, my husband and I sang this Beethoven Misa Solemnis, January, 2022. And it was the pandemic still or 2021. I can't remember. And I was rusty and I couldn't sing the high C and we were in rehearsal and I was like, Whoa! and I looked at my husband and he <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and I was like, whatever, I'll figure it out. And that was, that was a moment where I was embarrassed. I was, I was truly embarrassed at my singing. Cause I was, I felt like I was out of shape, oh, no. but I had, our girls were there at the church. They had to come with us to rehearsal. And I was like, let's go. I, 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 I sucked. And they're like, no, you didn't. You were fine. <laughs> I was like, oh no, mommy royally messed up. And they're like, well, we didn't hear it. And that to me was like, okay, then I'm, I'm fine. You know, I couldn't beat myself up over that because even though I messed up royally, they were like, it was fine to us. I'm like, okay. And then I think a lot of times you're your own worst critic. And oh, totally. you hear things, you know, like you're micromanaging every sound that you're making, every note that you're mm -hmm. hitting, every single little thing mm -hmm. that you're doing. And you're hearing all of the mistakes and everybody else is just enjoying the experience, yes. right? So they yes. don't hear it. Yes. But this one was bad. I couldn't quite reach the pitch. And I was like, oh my God, are you I'll fix that. I even, I'll fix that. 
And my <laughs> husband is laugh like he throws his hands up like, oh my God, Michelle. <laughs> I looked at him, I'm like, I'll fix it. That's so funny. And then we laughed about it in the car. So just keep doing it. You find something you love and just and just do it. That's what I have to say. <laughs> just try it, whatever it is. Put your talents out there, challenge yourself and live life. And don't forget to laugh. I had so much fun catching up with Michelle, and I hope you enjoyed our talk. She is so talented and hilarious, and she's got such a big heart. If you're out in the Boulder area next month, be sure to catch her performance at the Boulder Amphitheater on June 29th. Who doesn't like Wagner? Also, a huge shout out to Susie, whom we mentioned at the beginning of our talk. She just gave birth to a beautiful baby boy a few days ago, so I'm sending a lot of love to her and her family. Check out the show notes for selected links, and also please keep sending me your questions and comments. I do read all of them, even if I don't always respond. Please take a moment to rate this episode because your ratings really do help move this podcast closer to the top of searches so that my friends and I can reach more people. I'm looking forward to sharing more upcoming In the Company of Friends talks with you. This coming week, Sophia is graduating, so there will not be a new episode next Monday, although I will probably post a rerun and perhaps combine a two-parter into a single episode. So be sure to follow me on the socials and the dot com, all at the Queen Trail Podcast. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E Podcast. I am Syl Annan, the Queen Trail, and until next time, I wish you passion, adventure, song, laughter, confidence, elegance, and 